I'll invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Um, If you're using a pew Bible, our passage is on page 862. Um, We'll return to our study of this sermon uh, that Jesus has been preaching to his disciples. Jesus is just selected 12 men from among those who have been walking with him, those who have been following him. And he's selected these 12 men in particular to serve as his apostles. As apostles, these men were specifically commissioned by Christ to serve as his ambassadors, to to be his spokesmen. And what was that message of Christ that they were to communicate Well, we'll be looking at that both today as well as the next several weeks. Um, The sermon that Jesus preached on this day that we read about in Luke is very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, which is recorded in Matthew's Gospel. As I've made reference to before, it could be that this is that same event and that this is Luke's recording of it that varies somewhat but is still quite similar to Matthew's account Or perhaps more likely, this is a different occasion than the occasion of the Sermon on the Mount, even uh, the Sermon on the Mount, even though much of the content is similar. In the sermon that Christ gives, he's communicating to those who are gathered there that day, and to us as well, what the life of his kingdom representative is to look like. And really, these these callings that Christ issued that day, they're the same callings that rest upon every man and woman, boy and girl, who desires to be known by Jesus' name. Our passage today is Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. Let's look at that now. Let's turn our attention again to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Beginning in verse 27 of Luke 6, Luke tells us, quoting the words of Christ, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love them who love, love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful 
and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for your enduring word. We pray that you would send your enduring spirit so that we might endure living like this. Lord, persuade us that this is how we should want to live because you have called us to this type of life. This isn't the way that we would naturally live. So in order for us to do this, we need your supernatural um, motivation and your supernatural enablement working in our lives to be able um, to live this way because I acknowledge this is different than how I want to live um, in, my, in my flesh. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, we pray. Amen. Well, in a nutshell, what Christ is calling us to here in this passage is for you and I to live as he lived. And in our passage, we'll see that Jesus places upon those who would follow him several radical callings. And the first of these radical callings is the call to a radical love. Christ says to those gathered that day, I say to you who hear, love. But he doesn't stop there, does he? And here's where Christ's call to love turns into a radical call of love. When he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. You know, it's not radical to love those who are kind to you. It's not radical to love those who love you as well. Christ makes reference to that in verses 32 to 35 when he says, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But you love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Jesus calls those who would follow after him to a radical love. Jesus here tells us that there's there's no place for hate. There's no place for retribution. There's no place for hate in the heart of a Christian. But rather than to hate, Jesus issues in that place this call to a radical love. To love even those who we might consider as being our enemies. Rather than to hate them, Jesus tells us that we're to pray for them. That we're to ask God for his blessing upon them. Why would we do this? Why would we be willing to love someone 
who may hate us. Well, we do that in recognition of the fact that that's exactly what God has done for us. Scripture tells us that we were once God's enemy, that we were opposed to him, and that we even hated him. Romans 5, 8, and 10, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies, God reconciled us to himself by the death of his son. Because God loved us while we were still his enemies, God calls upon us to love others. And that includes loving in this radical way of even loving our enemies. God calls his kingdom representatives. He calls his people to a radical love. He also calls us to a radical humility and meekness. You know, it can be hard enough even for us to love those who love us sometimes. But Christ makes this radical calling upon our lives even more challenging when he says that we're to love those who hate us. We're to love those who abuse us. And Christ gives us an example of of those who he wants us to love and those to whom he wants us to humble ourselves before in verse 29. He calls upon us to show radical humility and meekness, even to those who abuse us and take advantage of us. He says, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. And you know, this is so counter to everything that's in us. What's our natural response? When someone hates us, when someone hurts us, what's our natural response to that? We want to lash out with hatred and hurting of our own towards them. If you've hurt me, if if you've offended me, guess what? You're going to pay. That's... That's human nature. But to this sinful tendency of mankind, Jesus says, no. Don't resist the one even who is evil. And again, this is so contrary to how we're inclined to live, how we're inclined to respond. You know, and I think especially in this day, There's something in us that wants to fight back. There's something in us that wants to demand that our rights would not be infringed upon. Even as people of faith, we can struggle with this. We resist this notion that we're to give in to any other person. And especially that's true if we feel like that other person might be evil. But what does Jesus call us to do? He tells us here that we're to turn the other cheek and to not resist the one who would even do evil to us. Here I'm reminded of Christ's words in Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are the meek. We don't care much for that, do we? We don't want to give up what we see as our rights. We don't want to be seen as playing the fool. We don't want to risk being taken advantage of by someone else. In short, we don't want to turn the other cheek. But that's exactly what Christ calls upon us to do here. He tells us if someone strikes you on the cheek, offer him the other. If someone would take one garment from you, offer him a second. Christ calls us to rid ourselves of that spirit of vindictiveness and retribution. And in its place, to put on a spirit of humility and even meekness. Christ calls us to put on a spirit of love rather than hate. Christ next issues a difficult calling upon us of radical generosity. And this calling seems every bit as radical as these others. When Christ says in verse 30, give to everyone who begs from you. Now, if you're like me, when you hear this command, you may be trying to come up with some kind of escape clause. But what's Christ's clear command to us here in this portion of his word? Give to everyone who begs from you. He can't really be serious, can he? But do you see anything in this passage that tells you except in this case or that case? I've looked. It doesn't, it's not here, not in this passage. Christ here is calling us to a radical generosity. And it gets even worse when he says, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. As you wish others would do to you, do so to them. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. What Christ is saying here is if you find yourself in a difficult position, you would hope that someone would be willing to give what they have to you. And so Christ says, if that's what you would want others to do for you, then you yourself must be willing to do that for others. If you found it necessary to have to beg for food or money, you'd hope that those whom you approached would be willing to give out of what they have. Therefore, Christ says, you must be willing to give to those who beg from you. Again, Christ here calling us to a radical generosity and a radical kindness. And so I'll invite my family to remind me of this command of Christ. The next time we might be in St. Louis or somewhere else and somebody comes up to me and asks if I have any loose change. When that happens, I pray that the Spirit will bring this passage back to remembrance to me and that I'd be willing to give them that loose change that I have in my pocket or a dollar or two or maybe even more. 
But wait, we might be inclined. Maybe they're just going to go ahead and spend that on drugs or alcohol. That might be true. And it might not be. But we're not responsible for that. But do you know what we are responsible for? We're responsible for obeying this command from Christ. We're responsible as to whether or not we'll obey what seems to be a rather clear-cut command of the Lord. And so as I pray that I'll remember this passage and be willing to show a radical generosity and a radical love and a radical kindness to that person, I also will pray that I will remember to do what Christ calls us to do here for others and to pray for them and to ask God's blessing upon them. And I'll pray that God would keep them from using that money to spend on, on alcohol or, or, um, or on drugs or whatever it might be. On top of all of these challenging callings, our passage concludes with one last calling which kind of summarizes them all. When the Lord calls us to radical mercy, and he does that in verse 36, when he says, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. And so we have these six radical callings from the Lord for the Christian. The calling of a radical love and a radical humility and meekness, a radical generosity, a radical kindness, and a radical mercy. In short, the Lord's essentially calling us to live like he lived. And if you think about it, isn't that what a representative or an ambassador is supposed to do? A representative is one who represents another. And the Christian has a profound privilege and a profound responsibility also and the calling for us to show forth the image of Christ. We have the calling to live as Christ lived. Christ is our example. He's also our enablement. Let's consider first how he's our example. Well, Christ shows us what, what, radical, humanity, what radical humility looks like. Philippians 2, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. But instead, he made himself nothing, emptying himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ shows us what radical meekness looks like in 1 Peter 2.23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, his Father in heaven. But do you also notice that in that meekness, in that refusal to lash out when others were lashing out against him, he also shows a profound strength. Christ is our example also of radical generosity. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became more. 
became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Our Father in heaven is our example of radical kindness and radical mercy. Titus 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out richly through, our, through Christ our Savior. But the Father and the Son aren't just our examples, but they also provide our enablement. And they do that through the gift and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because the Spirit enables us to fulfill these callings and every other calling of the Lord that He gives us in Scripture. Look at that passage that you have printed out on you on that, on that handout that I gave you. Look at that passage from Galatians 5. Consider how this passage also, like our passage in Luke, consider how these passages um, tell us how we can show forth the image of Christ like the Lord calls us to in our passage from Luke. How is it possible for us to fulfill these callings that Christ gives us? Well, we can do that, Paul says, as we walk by the Spirit. When we walk by the Spirit, Paul says, will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so do you find yourself fulfilling the desires of the flesh? Do you know why that is? Because in that moment, you're not walking by the Spirit. You're not keeping in step with the Spirit. You're not living by the Spirit. Paul speaks of the desires of the flesh in this passage. Look at verse 20. Look at the desires of the flesh that he references there. Desires such as enmity and strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions and divisions. Those are all desires that cause us in our flesh to not want to respond in the way that Christ calls us to respond in our passage from Luke but in opposition to the desires of the flesh, look at what the fruit of the Spirit are. The fruit of the Spirit which are produced in us as we set our hearts and our minds upon Christ. And as we abide in Him as He invites us to do in John 15, as we live by the Spirit, Paul says that the Spirit produces in us the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what do you notice when you compare these fruit of the Spirit with Christ's calling to us in our passage from Luke? Does any of that look familiar to you? Christ calls upon us to demonstrate a radical love. And what does the Spirit produce in us? Love. Christ calls us to demonstrate a radical humility and meekness. 
What does the Spirit do? The Spirit produces in us the fruit of peace and patience and gentleness, which in some translations is translated as meekness. Christ calls upon us to to demonstrate a radical generosity and kindness and mercy. And the Spirit produces in us the very spiritual fruit of kindness and goodness and love and mercy. I've been noticing this over the last three or four years or so. And I've made mention of it on a couple other occasions. What I've noticed is virtually every command in Scripture correlates one way or another to one or more of the fruit of the Spirit. Your triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit enables you through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to live in a manner consistent with how the Lord desires for you to live. Not in your strength, but in His. And we remember that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is that He's renewing us daily more and more into the image of Christ. And so as we daily walk by the Spirit and we keep in step by the Spirit and and we live by the Spirit, the, the Spirit produces in us the fruit of the Spirit. And that causes us all the more to look like Jesus, who is the fruit of the Spirit perfectly personified. He's the one who loved His enemies. He's the one who humbled Himself And gave generously of himself in kindness and in mercy. And what will be our reward for seeking to live by the power of the Spirit like this? Well, look at verse 35. Verse 35 of Luke 6. Christ says, your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Now, we understand that that Christ isn't saying that you're made to become sons of God if you live this way. That'd be contrary to Scripture to say that it's something that we do that causes us to be adopted by God. But we understand that what Christ is saying is that as we live in these ways in which he prescribes for us to live, we show forth, we demonstrate the fact that we have been made to become children of God as we love like the Father loves. When we live in these ways like Christ calls us to live, we bear the family resemblance. When we live and love as the Father loves, we bear His resemblance. When we live and love as Jesus lives and loves, we bear His resemblance. And just as is true in your family, in your lives, you look like other members of your family. And you have mannerisms like other members in your family. You bear the family resemblance. Well, that is also the privilege that is offered to you and I. That the Lord, through the work of His Spirit, enables us to bear the very image of Jesus Christ 
and our Father in heaven. As we live as they live, empowered by the Spirit, bearing forth the resemblance of God our Father and Christ our brother. In summary, this is what this passage is telling us. As men and women, boys and girls who've experienced the radical love of God, the Lord now calls us and enables us to extend love to others. As men and women, boys and girls for whom Christ humbled himself, he now calls us and enables us to humble ourselves for the sake of others. As men and women, boys and girls to whom the Lord has been radically generous to, we're now called and enabled to show forth generosity to others. And as men and women, boys and girls, to whom the Lord has been infinitely kind and merciful, the Lord now calls upon us and enables us by His Spirit to respond by showing kindness and mercy to others. Let's pray that He'd be pleased to do that in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you are not like us. Your ways are not our ways. Not our ways ever since our first mother and father, Adam and Eve, sinned in the garden. They rebelled against you, exerted their will against your will. Lord, we have been at war ever since at war with you, at war with others, at war even with ourselves. But Lord, we thank you, Father, that you sent your Son to redeem all that was lost in the fall. And we thank you that you are turning our hearts back towards you, turning our hearts also back even towards others. We thank you, as we talked about in our adult Sunday school class, that through Christ, the wall of hostility that once stood between us and others has been demolished. Lord, forgive the hostility that we continue to hold in our hearts. Lord, some, because of circumstances in our lives, if we are truthful, may acknowledge that we even harbor and hostility against you. Lord, among us, there are husbands and wives who have hostility against one another. There are siblings that have hostility against one another. Child versus parent, parent versus child. Brother in Christ against sister in Christ. Continue your redeeming work in our lives, Lord, we pray. We thank you for the profound privilege that you have given to us. Those who have been redeemed by you, you give us the responsibility and the privilege, the radical calling to live as you lived, to be your kingdom ambassador, your kingdom representative 
Forgive us, Lord, when we defame you by failing to do that well. Especially forgive us when we don't even desire to attempt to live in these ways in which you call us to live. But we thank you that you who called us are faithful to fulfill all of your sovereign purposes in our hearts. That we can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will see it through to the day of completion, the day of Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, continue to fulfill your sovereign purposes, your redeeming purposes in our lives, Lord. So that we would more consistently and even that we would always and only love in radical ways and humble ourselves before others. That we would freely give up that which we might see as our right, remembering that Christ gave up his rights to serve us. He humbled himself, being obedient even to the point of death. And that same Christ calls us, saying that any who would seek to follow him must be willing to pick up our cross daily and follow him. We must be willing to walk the path of obedience, the path that leads to death, so that through that, it is also the path that leads to life, eternal life, and abundant life. We thank you, Lord, that through your kindness, your goodness, your mercy towards us, that even while we were your enemies, Christ died for us. Even when we were your enemies, you gave of yourself to redeem us, to cause us to become trophies of mercy. You have caused us to become your child, children of God Most High. Now, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, conform our will, our desires, our lives to your will so that we might live in a way that is befitting the sons and daughters of God. This is our prayer. Amen.